Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title for the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God and the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles, they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our Creator has chosen for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. 
in like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua, the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build one in the wilderness of Sinai, exactly like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. This school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah.
with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Rochelle Morgan from our Illinois class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Jeremiah, the 10th chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Good afternoon, class. Can we bow our hearts and our minds and give Joshua our undivided attention for the next couple of hours? And we pray that he is sharing, the speakers are sharing something with us that we didn't know and something we thought we knew because we came down here to these schools to learn something about our Heavenly Father, the way he really is and the way he actually exists. So I'm so grateful that we have a class to go to. I'm so grateful for the Zoom. I hope we have an open mind and take some good notes and do some research and let's listen with an open heart. And I ask this to my Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good afternoon, class. Today I'll be reading Jeremiah, the 10th chapter from the um, King James Bible. Hear ye the word which Yahweh speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith Yahweh, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth the tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, and they deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Yahweh, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? For to thee doth it appertain. For as much as among all the wise men of the nations and all their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Silver spread into plates is brought from Tarshish and gold from Upaz, the work of the workmen of the hands of the founder. Blue and purple is their clothing. They are all the work of cunning men. But Yahweh is the true Elohim. He is the living Elohim and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Every man is brutish in his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image. 
for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are vanity and the work of errors. In the time of their visitation, they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. Yahweh of hosts is his name. Gather up thy wares out of the land, O inhabitant of the fortress. For thus saith Yahweh, Behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at, at this once, and will distress them that they may find it so. Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous. But I said, Truly this is a grief, and I must bear it. My tabernacle is spoiled, and all my cords are broken. My children are gone forth of me, and they are not. There is none to stretch forth my tent any more, and to set up my curtains. For the pastors are become brutish, and have not sought Yahweh. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Behold, the noise of the brute is come and a great commotion out of the north country to make the cities of Judah desolate and a den of dragons. O Yahweh, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O Yahweh, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families that call not upon thy name. For they have eaten up Jacob, and devoured him, and consumed him, and hath made his habitation desolate. Jeremiah, the 10th chapter. Thank you, Dr. Geller and Dr. Morgan. Our scripture readers this afternoon will be Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside, California class, and Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse, New York class. Speakers, be advised you will see a five-minute sign appear on your screen. Please acknowledge when you've seen the sign. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Chuck Marshall from our Tampa, Florida class. Okay. Well, thank you. I get. I guess I get to be the first one to see what we can do to ruin people's Christmas. <laughs> uh, it has been, it's something that uh, all these years I've been in class and, uh, and you know, every year when this time comes around, I kind of dread it because, you know, uh, because I understand what Christmas is and I understand where it came from. So if we could get right in a scripture reading, we'll kind of get into this a little bit. Could you start at verse one, please, in Jeremiah, the 10th chapter? Mm -hmm. Hear ye the word <clears throat> which Yahweh Elohim speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Now here, this is the word speaking. Okay. So that, you know, this isn't uh, Jeremiah, you know, when the, uh, when all these prophets speak, it's not Jeremiah, it's not Isaiah, it wasn't Moses. You understand it was none of those as a matter of fact even today it's not really chuck speaking if it's not yashua within chuck speaking then it's going to come out a lie because the only one that can tell you about himself is yashua himself and i and i can testify and other people that knew me can testify i didn't know anything about yahweh before i came down here 
So could you read the next verse, please? Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. So here Yahweh is saying, learn not the way of the heathen. Now then, this is supposed to be, and even, even Christianity goes along with the fact that this is, you know, Yahweh's commandments. And, and this is what, what we do is we, they, we read the Bible. We get into the Bible to understand what Yahweh likes and what Yahweh dislikes. Now here Yahweh is saying, learn not the way of the heathen. All right. Could you read on, please? For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth the tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. Now here he says, this is the customs of the people. Okay, that they cut a tree out of the forest. Mm -hmm. Now, since I've come into class, I have learned that the tree that they cut down is called an evergreen. Now, an evergreen tree in nature is a sign of eternal life because in the wintertime when all the other trees lose their leaves they go into hibernation they die in a sense they go they they lose their leaves you understand but the christmas tree or the evergreen tree now a lot of people call them christmas trees but they're evergreen trees they do not lose their, lose their leaves they are green all year round you can go in the high altitudes where there's snow all over the place, snow on the trees, but their trees are green, the evergreen trees. The other trees are not. Now, there's also a tree. Now, when I lived in Wisconsin, it was called the tamarack or ironwood. Now, it looks like an evergreen tree, but in the wintertime, it loses its leaves and it looks dead just like the other trees. It's That's like Satan mimicking. But you see, he doesn't have life, so he can't stay green all year round. And it's called ironwood because it is hard wood. You can take an axe and try to cut it, and boy, you're dull your axe. It is really a hard tree. Oh. But the evergreen tree is a soft wood. In other words, it's like us coming into class. We, are, we have that life within us. We didn't know it. We didn't understand it. But our hearts were soft. And Yahweh gave us that soft heart so that he could shape us and form us into the understanding that we need to come to to understand him. So we, on the other hand, we're not hard headed or hard. You know, a lot of times people, you know, bang on their head. You know, it's like not, you know, knocking on wood. So we are the soft <clears throat> tree. We are the tree of everlasting. We have the tree of everlasting life within us. We're green. Should you read mm -hmm. on? Now, remember, the customs of the people are vain because they cut that tree out. Now, when they're cutting that tree out, it's like Satan cutting that evergreen tree down, or it's like Satan, you understand, trying to overcome Yahshua. Mm -hmm. But, of course, he can't do that. Read on, please. Verse 4, they deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now they put silver, they gold, 
you know, they get the Christmas tree, uh, bulbs and they put on there and there's they put silver and they put gold and all kinds of, of, of things uh, around it. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later when we get into that. But they decorate the tree. They decorate that tree. And then they it's like uh, the kids all dance around the tree and they're all excited about the tree and people dance around the tree. It's like they're mocking Yahshua, like the children of Israel back in the time of Moses, was dancing around that golden calf, celebrating that the golden calf brought them out of Israel, or out of, I'm sorry, brought them out of Egypt, all right? right? So here, here we are, you know, back when we were kids and stuff like that, we would dance around the tree and, you know, be all joyous and all that. It's like a type of worshiping, because it's, and it's bringing you all kinds of joy, but it's false. We didn't know it. I didn't know it when I was young. A lot of us didn't know this until we came into class. But now that we are being, Yahweh is bringing us in here and showing us these things, you see, we've got to change. It doesn't, when I see a tree anymore, it does not bring me joy. As a matter of fact, anymore, I don't say anything to people, but anymore when I see a tree, it is, it's like, oh, you know, if they only understood, if they only realized what sim what symbolism they're showing here and is complete disrespect for the creator of the universe, because here he is in plain English telling us that we're not to uh, we're not to do the customs of the people. Now, uh, I was always thought that the uh, Christmas tree came from came from the Germans. And it did, the Germans did bring trees in, but here, this is before Germany. And you could take this all the way back to Nimrod where they were dancing around trees, decorating because the tree was a symbol of eternal life. Could you, mm -hmm. and they would deck it, gold it, they fasten it down, we'd bring the tree in. When we was kids, we'd go out, we'd get the tree and we'd uh, put a cross on the bottom of it, nail the cross to it. Here we are putting the tree of life or a type of Yahshua on a cross now they of course they put them in in uh in water and stuff like that but it's the same principle and if you look at you know the legs on you know the legs on the the base of the tree there even in water it's usually four legs type of a cross right. and they hammer it down so it moves not you see mm -hmm. it's it's it, once you cut that tree down once you cut it from its life source it's dead right. you see you, but yet they hammer it down so it doesn't move. Uh, could you read, please, five? Five. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They See, must. They don't even speak. Now, a palm tree mm -hmm. is another tree that is a type of an evergreen tree. All right. So it's upright. You see, uh, like here in Florida, especially, and uh, you can even see on Dennis's uh, uh, badge there, he's got a. a, a, a palm tree and it's goes straight up and it's upright so it's upright just like Yahshua the messiah was upright he had no fault about him all right so this upright as a palm tree read please but speak not they must needs be born because they cannot go be not afraid of them for they cannot do evil neither also is it in them to do good so therefore now see the people people used to bring those trees in and they used to worship those trees even though the trees can't speak you know uh you've got to do everything for them they can't go any place you know it's like 
when I see a Christmas tree, even today, I'm not afraid of them. And I know that tree can't do me any evil, you understand, but I also do understand what the symbolism of that tree is. And if I was, to, well, let's just say, if I was to get all caught up in Christmas again and, and, and do all that, to me, you see, that would be a slap in the face to the creator of the universe because I'm understanding the principles. Now, Yahshua always came in, when he came in, before he went through his death and his burial and his resurrection, he would speak in parables. And that's what this is a type of here, although this is actual reality of what they used to do, but it's the symbolism. Yahweh uses the physical things to show us and teach us spiritual things. So we are to look at the spiritual principles here of what Yahweh is trying to show us and what this is showing that Satan is doing, you see, to try to belittle uh, Yahshua or Yahweh himself because of the symbolism of what's going on. Could you read, please, uh, next verse? Six, for, for as much as there is none like unto thee, O Yahweh, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. And their name, his name is great. You see, Yahweh's name is great. But nine, I've always thought this, and I say about nine times out of 10, when somebody rejects the name, you understand, they don't understand and they will reject that name. They're not, they're not going to, you know, accept this teaching. It's just, it's just, I've just seen it so time and time again. But yet, you see, they don't respect his name and we're to respect Yahweh's name. And I was just thinking this here a while back. They don't want to respect Yahweh's name nor Yahshua's name. But yet, they want their name to be in the book of life. Well, it's a possibility here that if you don't respect Yahweh's name, why would he respect your name? Mm. You could just put any old name in there. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they what you call him. Well, maybe it doesn't matter what we call you too. And that name may not be in the book of life. So it's just these principles. It's just these things that's showing us about Yahweh. Read, please. Uh, let's see. Let's do, uh, do, do, do. do. Um, yeah, go, go on ahead. Yeah. Seven. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? For to thee doth it appertain. For as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. See, there is none like unto Yahweh. There is none like unto Yahshua. None like him. But Satan is trying to be the most high. And what he has done is he's got us through symbols, you see, worshiping him. Because this is Satan putting forth all of these principles here with this tree. Well, the principles are showing, showing forth you know, what you, how you should and how you should not worship Yahweh. But this is showing forth Satan. Satan can tell you a lot. People, it's, you look in the world today. People would rather believe a lie than they would the truth. You can take the truth and you can show people. You can give them witnesses. And they still will take a lie over the truth. And that's the same thing with this Christmas thing. I You know, it's not that... I like, I want to take away people's joy 
It's not that I want to take away, you know, kids, you know, having fun and all of that stuff. I, there's no, I have no problem with that. But I do have a problem when Yahweh is trying to show you principles about himself and what he wants and how he wants you to do, and you reject it. But yet they will take the Ten Commandment law and they will try to throw it in your face and hold you tightrope to that to that Ten Commandment morality. But yet when it comes to the worship of Yahweh, when it comes to giving Yahweh his due, you see, they turn their back and say, oh, it's innocent. It's just fun. It's for the kids. Well, it's more than just for the kids. You see, people, all kinds of people, adults are exchanging gifts and getting together and, and everything. They use the excuse that it's for the kids. But it's more than that. It's for them, too. Could yeah. we read on, please? Verse 8. But they are altogether, altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Now here, the, the, it, it's a doctrine of vanities. Mm. You understand? Now, I don't know if you've ever, if, you know, when you read Proverbs, it talks about vanities, the vanity of vanities. And this is, uh, basically, they go through there and they show how this earth plane and everything in this earth plane is vanities. The only thing that is not, a, that is not vanities is Yahshua himself. The only thing that's not vanities, you, you understand, is Yahweh giving you spiritual knowledge and understanding of himself using the physical things instead of us getting caught up and worshiping, you know, in physical and worshiping physical things. And I tell you, a lot of people when they're it's uh, when it comes to Christmas, they I, I've, I tell you, a lot of people practically worship Christmas now. I've been watching some of these Christian ministers lately, and it's really amazing to me. Now then, I'm hearing more and more and more of them say that we know that Jesus was not born on December 25th. And then they say, well, it could have been here, or it could have been there, and so on. And just like we have said for years, well, you know, they had uh, shepherds out, in, uh, out watching their sheep when the wise men came. Well, it couldn't have been. They couldn't have been out because that's the winter time. As a matter of fact, here just a while back, they were showing pictures of Gaza this winter. And they was talking about the, it was going to be the rainy season, how rainy it was. And it does snow there and it gets cold there. And they was talking about how the Palestinians were having to live out in the cold and having to live in tents, but there wasn't heat or anything for the tents. It is cold there this time of year. The shepherds were not out watching their flocks. Could you read on, please? Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Nine. Nine silver, yes. silver spread into plates is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphes, the work of the workmen and of the hands of the founder. Blue and purple is their clothing. They are all the work of cunning men. Now, like I said, they take silver. And they and uh, and and gold and they buy you know they go to this store and they go buy that store and all this stuff is coming from all over the place and the work of the of uh, 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 the workmen and the hands of the founder now you got uh, the, that were the founders were like people that crafted the idols for the uh, for the uh, worship of the, of the idols 
And so they would get gold and they would get gold. And it was work of the uh, workmen and the hand at the hands of the founder. You know, the, the founders, the, the, uh, the, like a blacksmith, if you will, would take and they would make this stuff and they'd make the mold and images and they'd pour the gold into the molds and all that stuff. And blue and purple is their clothing. Now, purple is a is royalty. Uh, Tyrus, back in the king of Tyrus, that's one, that's one way he got rich was because of purple. Purple was just for the, for the royalty. That's the only ones that wore it. And the purple dye came from a little snail that was off the coast there. And it took a lot of little snails to make a little bit of dye. That's why it was so precious. So purple is their clothing and all the work of the cunning men. In other words, all these craftsmen, there was, indus there was industries around making all these uh, artifacts and all these religious articles and religious clothing back there for these people that worshiped all these, uh, these idols, if you will. Okay, read 10, please. But Yahweh is the true Elohim. He is the living Elohim and an everlasting king. At his wrath and the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his in indignation. And that's what we've been preaching and teaching now for ever since I've been in this class and India and people were teaching it even before that Yahweh mm -hmm. is the true Elohim. There is none else in Isaiah. It says there is none else. There is no other savior besides me. He keeps emphasizing that. And he created evil. He created good and he created evil. This is his kingdom. He is the only true one to be worshiped. And the nation, and when Yahweh does end this thing, and we've been talking about, we're coming really down to the end time here. You see, he's going, he's going to take it. The earth is going to tremble, and it's he's really going to take out his indignation for sure. Eleven, please. Mm. Thus shall you say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth. And from under these heavens, all these gods. And if you go back and you look at Christmas and you do any research on Christmas, you're going to find out that every single thing that they do for for Christmas and to celebrate Christmas comes from pagan idols. It all comes from back. And the only thing is that it, when it got started, they would change names. They would change this a little, change that a little, change a name a little. But it's all the same practice, and it's been going it it's been going on for centuries. But Yahweh is is not is not going to take light on this, and he's going when there's going to be great indignation when he decides to end this whole thing. And uh, I, I I would I I'm just glad that Yahweh was pulled me out of this ignorance and pulled me out of all of this stuff that I used to think and all of that stuff that I used to do and all the stuff that I thought was good and right. And I found out that when I came down here, that all those thoughts that I had, all my thoughts were wrong. If I, I can even, I can, I can probably say this, I can look back on what I used to think. And by after coming into this class, I see that everything I thought back then was wrong. And especially when it came to my creator and how to worship him and what I thought he wanted and what he didn't want. 
But that's why we're here, is to learn these things and to come into a knowledge and come to an understanding. We've been graced by that presence. If we could read the next verse, please, if you would. Shall ye say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. Next one, please. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched, stretched out the heavens by his discretion. Read the next one, please. When he uttered his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he caused the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightning with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. And he utters his voice, and there is a multitude of waters. Yahshua mm -hmm. said, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living waters. The words that he speak, they are living water. So Yahweh is uttering his voice, and there is a multitude of waters in the heaven. And he is speaking to us. He is providing us with multitude of water. We are not thirsty. We do not have a thirst because Yahweh is giving us living water and quenching our thirst, giving us knowledge, giving us understanding about himself. That is the true baptism. The baptism of water is just was just Yahshua fulfilling that physical aspect. There is still baptism going on today. And the words that we speak, they are living water. If Yahshua be in you, the Holy Spirit be in you, when you're preaching and you're teaching this gospel, that is living water. And that's what we're out here, that's what we're doing today. And that's the purpose of this, these classes, is Yahweh has set this up so that he can get the word out, the word out, so that we can have an understanding of him. The next verse, please, if you would. Mm -hmm. Every man is brutish in his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image, for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. Every man is brutish in his knowledge. And every founder is confronted by a golden image. And the golden image, the molded image that he is making, you see, is false. Now, in the spirit, we also have molten images. We have images that are false. And since coming down to this class, that's what Yahweh is doing, is taking those false images or those false deities, the false way we thought about Yahweh, not even knowing his name, but worshiping Jesus, and you find, and I know it sounds, but everything they teach you about Jesus is not right. It's false. It is a false deity. It is a false image in your mind. And we come down here and Yahweh washes us. One time somebody says, well, you folks down there, you just brainwash people. And I said, yeah, we do. We wash uh -huh. your brain of all the filthiness of all your idols and then but we clean we don't just leave it you know vacant we replace it with knowledge we replace it with understanding we clean your mind and Yahweh does it through living water 
That's the water that cleanses you, not the physical water. I can take a shower tonight. Tomorrow, I'll have to take another shower. But with living water, once you get that living water, once he cleans you with that living water, you will not be dirty no more. I'm talking spiritual, though. Read on, please, if you would. They are vanity and the work of errors in the time of their visitation they shall perish. See, all of this stuff. Now, remember, we started out talking about in this chapter here about a tree, what we know of as today and what people do today as a Christmas tree. And here's saying they are vanity and their work and the work of error. You understand? It is it is complete fabrication. Read, if you would, please, the next one. The portion of Jacob is not like them. For he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. Read Yahweh on. of hosts is his name. Read on, please. Gather up thy wares out of the land, O inhabitant of the fortress. See, that's what Yahweh is having us do today, is we're gathering up the wares out of the land. You understand? Just like the children of Israel when they were wandering through the wilderness and they had to go through the river Jordan into Canaan's land. And when they went into Canaan's land, they had to fight fights up there. They had to fight battles up there. And that's what's going on within us today. We're, we're gathering up the wares out of the land. We're gathering, we go in, we have a tabernacle that we can go by. And this tabernacle we say, and is the pattern of everything in the universe. And we can go out here and we can glean scientific uh, papers and, and scientific things that they say. And we can take and we can go into encyclopedias and we can go into books. And I use them because uh, they're more reliable than the Internet because you, you, uh, you, know, you, you know that you can believe everything you read on the Internet. The thing of it is, it's even harder nowadays because most people get their information off the Internet. So therefore, anymore, when I go to the Internet to get information, you have to check that information out to make sure it's right, because there's anything and everything out there. Back in the day when I first came into class, we'd go to the dictionaries and we'd go to encyclopedias. We'd go to very reliable sources, you see. But we are still gathering up the wares out of the land. You know, Yahweh is working. And just like Yahweh were, fought the battles for the children of Israel, when they went into Canaan's land, Yahshua, the son of Nun, was there with them. He was fighting their battles for them, just like today, Yahshua is fighting our battles for us. He's clearing our mind out of things like Christmas. He's cleaning our minds out of Jesus. He's cleaning our minds out of all that kind of stuff. And that's what we're down here in these classes for. This is what our life is now. The people that come down to this class now, this is their life. I tell people all the time that as far as the physical creation is concerned, I really have nothing more to get out of this creation. I'm done with it. You know, I understand. I see Yahshua. Yahshua is our focus now. Yahshua, you see, is all that we can think of. Yahshua if it fits Yahshua, we're looking to see how this fits Yahshua. We look to see how that fits Yahshua. That's our life now. We're, I'm just sitting around waiting for the creation to go out 
so that I can really get down to some real serious learning without having this physical garbage and this physical, even the physical thoughts and the physical things that come into my mind that I can be done with it. And we can concentrate just on studying Yahshua in pure spirit. If you could read the next one, please. 18. <clears throat> For thus saith Yahweh Elohim, behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at this once and will distress them that they might find it so. <clears throat> what, please? Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous. But I said, truly, this is a grief and I must bear it. And we must bear it. We are <clears throat> hurt. You see, woe is me for my hurt. My, you know, living in this and living in this creation nowadays, and especially nowadays, it's harder and harder. I feel sorry for a lot of these young folks coming up. You know, I mean, I thought it was hard when I grew up, but I look at now at all the stuff that's going on. It's just got to be tough to be growing up in this, you see, our, and, and our wounds are grievous, but just putting up with this carnality, putting up with these people, people are just they're just getting worse and worse. They, they, they snap at the anything. They go around shooting. Even uh, Our American, thank you, I see that, five minutes. Our heritage, you see, is even going overseas now. In Czechoslovakia, they're taking and shooting people and stuff. Now, I just want to get one little thing here before I turn the floor over the next speaker. If you could go to Micah, please, the fifth chapter. And let's see, start, yeah, we'll start right at one. Micah 5 and 1. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He that he hath laid siege against us, they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrath, Ephrath Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Now, here's a here's a prophecy in Micah. Uh, I, I came across this the other day, and I started reading Micah, and boy, that's, uh, boy, that's a good one, I tell you. Uh, if you ever get a chance to read Micah, you want to uh, see some stuff about the end time, he uh, it's really cool. But here he's talking about Bethlehem, how that Yahshua, you see, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Bethlehem was just a little place. It wasn't anything significant. You understand? And that's why Yahshua, of course, came out of there. Yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler of Israel. Now, I just heard the Jewish people, the other uh, Jewish rabbi the other day talking about how that Israel is still waiting for the Messiah to come today, but they think that he's a man. And they think that what he's going to do is cause them to rule over the world. That's the Messiah they're looking for. They missed him. But see, that's where they go. They, they're come here to ruler in, in Israel. But see, he's a ruler, but it's, it's not a physical ruling that he's doing. You see, it's a spiritual ruling. And whose goings and forth have been from old and from everlasting. That's talking about Yahshua, the Messiah. Now, there's more here, but uh, I don't want to go over time. And uh, I hope somebody got a little something out of that. And thank you for the opportunity to, to say something. Appreciate it.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Marshall. And our next speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Sasha Rakmilovich from our Madison, Wisconsin class. Yeah, hello. Yes, hi. Yeah, just a moment, I'll get get my microphone set up because I really didn't expect it. Just a second. Okay. Hello, can you hear me well? Yes. Okay, great. Well, it's uh, it's honor and uh, privilege uh, to be here today and uh, to be a part of this uh, beautiful gospel. I really enjoyed uh, the lecture of the first uh, speaker and what we're talking about and what the first speaker was talking about is... Um, you know, this Christmas time, which uh, the season people celebrating now and uh, the Christmas day, I guess, in a couple days on Monday. And we read the uh, 10th chapter of Jeremiah. And uh, it's already been worked really well with this chapter. We can go to different details. But what I would uh, like to do in the uh, beginning, well, you know, uh, Chuck was uh, speaking, I was thinking about it, that I really can testify to the fact that it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, this uh, cutting down the tree and uh, uh, dressing this tree with uh, silver and gold, uh, dancing around it and so forth. It's, uh, it's a hidden. A celebration. It's the way of hidden. It's a tradition of hidden. Now, I was uh, raised up in the Soviet Union. Soviet Union was atheistic country. So we didn't believe in any God. So people wouldn't go to church. In fact, people didn't even have the Bible. I never saw a Bible when I was in Soviet Union for uh, 32 years because you couldn't find the Bible. It was prohibited. They didn't print the Bibles. And uh, obviously people didn't celebrate Christmas in the uh, Soviet Union. But our favorite, <coughs> excuse me, our favorite celebration of the whole year was a new year. It was the New Year celebration on uh, uh, December 31st, and January 1st. And uh, the symbolism of this celebration was taken exactly uh, from uh, uh, Jeremiah 10th chapter. And it's very much likened to what, uh, you know, American people celebrate uh, as Christmas. Uh, like uh, uh, several details about it. 
we didn't have a Christmas tree, but we did have a New Year tree. It was the same tree, the same evergreen tree was uh, cut down. And I do remember from my childhood, they were really putting this tree in a house on the cross. It was like a wooden uh, cross to hold this uh, uh, tree. And uh, they would uh, decorate this tree with the uh, snowflakes. And it was a silver and gold and many, many uh, similar uh, uh, ornamentation as for the Christmas tree, except on the top of the Christmas tree, very often you can see the angel and uh, some other toys, you can see angels. Angels were not allowed in Soviet Union because it was a religious attribute. So instead of the angel on the top of the tree, it was the uh, five-edged star or the symbol of uh, the Soviet Union. But everything else was the same. And the people, children were doing, you know, dancing around this tree. Now, we didn't have a Santa Claus, but uh, instead of Santa Claus, we uh, had a very uh, um, similar uh, person who looks exactly like Santa uh, Claus. They are like twins, but it's called Grandfather Frost. In a, in a Christmas tradition, the Santa Claus is uh, uh, riding on the sleigh with the, uh, led by reindeers. In the Russian tradition, it was sleigh and he was riding on the sky, but there were like three horses. But uh, everything else pretty much was the same. The Santa Claus was given the presents and uh, you know, the people was supposed to, the children were supposed to behave well and then they would get the present and if they behave bad, they uh, don't get the present. It's, uh, it's a spiritual principle you know, of works. So if you do good works, you're good, you're good, you are rewarded. If you do bad works, uh, you're not rewarded. It's a symbol of uh, old covenant instead of, uh, you know, being uh, salvation or the reward. Actually, it's, uh, it's by grace. It's not your works are rewarded because we don't have any works of righteousness, but it's uh, mercy and grace of our creator. So all this symbolism of uh, Santa Claus uh, with the presents and uh, coming down from chimney and even his name uh, sent if we change uh, the letters a little bit it will spell satan and it's showing forth the principle of satan who wants to to be like the most high really and uh, he wants uh, people to worship him now um, talking about uh, uh, Christmas, uh, thinking about it, let's, uh, you know, and I, I talked to people about the Christmas and I uh, was uh, telling people about the symbolism which the first speaker was going into, that the evergreen uh, tree uh, 
it's a symbol of uh, Yashu the Messiah because evergreen tree is the symbol of life. Uh, the same way as uh, Yashu the Messiah is uh, 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 shown the uh, symbol of uh, life. And even in the scriptures, Yashu compares himself with the evergreen tree. So please go to Luke uh, chapter 23 and start reading in verse 27, please. Luke 2327. Yes, please. I'm in the wrong. Luke 2327. And there followed him a great company of people and of women which also bewailed and laminated him, lamented him, sorry. But Yahshua turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the Paths which never gave suck. Continue. Then shall then shall they begin to say to the mountains, "Fall on us," and to the hills, "Cover us." For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? Right. So Yahshua is uh, comparing himself. To, uh, to the green tree or evergreen tree. So what you know we are saying comparing this Christmas tree or evergreen tree uh, during this season and showing how it's uh, symbolically uh, you know really crucifying uh, Yashua again and uh, uh, Satan is kind of uh, having a uh, feast, having a celebration about it. So it's uh, all true. Now, People are saying, okay, this evergreen tree, uh, let's say evergreen tree represents uh, uh, Jesus, as they call him, or Yashua on the cross. But it, it's, a, it's a good thing. That's what they say, or some of them say that's what our creator wants. Because uh, people are wearing a cross on their, uh, on their neck, you know, these golden crosses, uh, silver uh, crosses. And in the Catholic Church, at least, you know, this, uh, some of these crosses have uh, the uh, figure of uh, Yashua on the cross. And they're wearing it on their neck. And they think, they believe, that's what uh, our Creator wants uh, us to do. And therefore, even though it's symbolically pointing out to Yashua, and they do say that the wreath on the uh, on the uh, door is pointing out uh, to uh, to Jesus as they believe it. And uh, so they see uh, different symbols, but they think that it's good, that it's pleasant to our creator. So we already read one of the uh, places in the Bible where it's black and white, as was said, saying that our creator is not pleased with the, uh, what's happening uh, in the world, you know, with the ways of the hidden. Let's uh, look at this uh, figure of uh, Yashua. 
uh, on the cross? Well, first of all, let's uh, apply, you know, this simple but very important rule as we find uh, in the scripture. And it was shown to our founder in a vision, the importance of it to take physical to understand spiritual. I'm talking about Romans 1, 19 and 20, which, you know, which saying that, you know, to understand Yahweh, we have to look at the things which he created. Now, people are wearing the cross on their neck. And the cross, as we all know, it's, um, it's that's where uh, Yahshua was crucified. Uh, that's he died. And people say that we love uh, Jesus and he is in our heart and we are wearing these things in a commemoration of him. Now, from the physical standpoint, uh, let, me, uh, let me be uh, uh, very personal right now. My wife was killed in a car accident uh, some 20, 24 years ago. But I still, I still remember that. And I loved my wife. But it never came to my mind to wear like on the chain uh, to put a, a toy or the figure of the uh, car and wear it as a memory of my wife. Well, he died in a car, in a car accident. But it doesn't make any sense. So it just should show you that it should make no sense to, to wear this cross as a commemoration of, uh, you know, Jesus or rightly, Yahshua the Messiah. Let me give you another example. Please go to the law, uh, book of Numbers, and read Numbers 21, uh, chapter 21, verses from 4 to 9, please. Numbers 21, 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people, and the people spoke against Yahweh and against Moses. Wherefore, have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And Yahweh Elohim sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against Yahweh and against thee. Pray unto Yahweh that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Right. So that's, that's the story which happened with the children of Israel uh, in, uh, in the wilderness. And we know that uh, from Romans 1, 19 and 20, from other places in the Bible, when Paul especially discussed in the Bible, that all these stories were allegories and they were written for our learning. So what is it pointing out to? So this uh, Paul with the, uh, 
certain of brass on the pole. So it was like symbolic of the savior because when they look at this uh, uh, serpent uh, on the pole, even if they are beaten uh, by the snakes, because Yahweh didn't take away the snakes from them, but even they are beaten and if they look at the serpent on the pole, they would not die. So this is uh, this serpent on the pole was, uh, was a representation of savior. Actually, it was pointing out to Yahshua the Messiah, as Yahshua the Messiah said himself what this serpent meant. So now from the beginning of the book, let's go to the uh, so-called New Testament of the Bible, and let's read John 3, verses 14 and 15. John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Right. So another, <coughs> excuse me, I'm just recovering from cold. So just a second. Yeah, I had to clear my throat. So in other words, we have to look at uh, Yahshua who took upon himself upon himself the punishment for our sins. And that's what the serpent on uh, the pole uh, represented. Now, what historically happened with the people, because it was, you know, such a... Uh, uh, great deal for them. They're looking on this uh, bronze pole and uh, they won't die from, uh, uh, from the snakes. So it had some supernatural, supernatural powers. So they continue worshiping this uh, serpent on the pole throughout the history. And uh, let's read what uh, uh, happened. Second uh, Kings chapter 18 Let's read from verse 1. 2 Kings 18 and 1. Okay, 18 and 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of Yahweh, according to all that David, his father, did. Now, yeah, please listen to the next verse very carefully. He removed the high places and broke the images and cut down the idols, and broke into pieces the brass serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. Right. So you see the people continue to worship this uh, brazen uh, serpent on the pole, but uh, Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of Yahweh, we read in the verse before that, and... Uh, uh, he uh, destroyed and broke into pieces this brazen serpent that uh, Moses made. So it's really the clear um, witness 
that our Yahweh, uh, our creator, doesn't want people to worship physical images, even if it's an image of uh, Jesus or correctly Yahshua on the cross. And the whole world, look at the uh, churches outside and inside. You know, there's a cross worship is happening and the worshiping of uh, Yahshua, uh, Yahshua's figure on the cross. But it's uh, nothing else like a, a tradition of man. Uh, and this tradition is uh, dragging out into Christmas because it's, uh, uh, it's, it's like uh, uh, Yahshua on this uh, evergreen tree, like this serpent uh, on the pole. And people uh, continue, you know, worship this thing as they think, you know, it's a, it's a birthday of uh, Jesus and our creator is really uh, pleased with that. So uh, in the remaining time, which I have, I'll probably have about 10 minutes or so, I would like to shift to something positive from negative because this is a, uh, this is a great gospel. This is a gospel of hope. And this time of uh, Christmas, which people erroneously celebrate, we know that Yasha wasn't born on December 25th, but, you know, the people don't really understand the symbolism, the true symbolism, the true allegory of what uh, they celebrate. And they celebrate, let's say, nativity uh, scenes during this season or the wise man coming and giving uh, gifts to Yahshua, the Messiah. But what does it represent? What does it show from the spiritual standpoint? I'm just taking one a uh, little story from, you know, this time of celebration as described in the Bible during the time when Yahshua was born because they, they, were, they were wise men and they did bring uh, gifts uh, to Yahshua. And uh, let's uh, read about it in Matthew, uh, I think it's 2.11. Mm -hmm. Matthew 2.11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So, right. So they uh, gave uh, gifts and there were three kinds of gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. So we have to ask why. What really uh, impressed me and uh, held me uh, in the beginning in this school is that I was told that it's okay to ask, uh, to have this question why. And not only it's okay, but it was encouraged to ask the questions why. And why is a good question? Because we want to understand. You remember Yashua said, be like little children. One of the key features of little children, they asking the question why, because they want to know everything. And we would like to know everything because we would like to understand our heavenly father, you know, more and more so as we are able to do in this creation. So why these uh, wise men are bringing, uh, you know, the gifts and these particular gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. So we have to remember that's what was happening 
with Yahshua, the Messiah, was happening not by uh, chance, but Yahshua, even with his birth, from his birth until his ascension, he was fulfilling everything which was written about him in the scriptures. So it's not different here because it's fulfillment what was happening in the scriptures and what was happening in the books of law in Ed Exodus to be a particular, no, the, uh, you know, there were gifts were bringing to this tabernacle. If you could uh, show me the chart with the tabernacle uh, pattern, uh, please. And that would probably like the body of the tabernacle focusing on the tabernacle, if you could. So um, why uh, it was fulfilled? Uh, what's, what's the uh, relevance between uh, tabernacle and Yahshua? Well, again, if we apply Romans 1, 19 and 20, we know that Yahshua, he is our salvation from the uh, spiritual standpoint. He is the savior. His name means Yahweh is salvation. Now the tabernacle in the wilderness, it was the place of salvation for children of Israel because when they sinned and according to the law, if uh, you sin, you have to die. Instead of them dying, they had to bring the sacrifice to the tabernacle. So something else had to die. And then the priest had to bring the sacrifice and the priests had to officiate in this tabernacle. And on the day of atonement, the atonement or uh, uh, salvation of uh, uh, Israelites were uh, achieved for another year. So the tabernacle was the place of salvation. So therefore tabernacle it's the figure of Yahshua the Messiah. So let's see what uh, people were bringing to this uh, tabernacle. Uh, please read Exodus chapter 25 and verse uh, 17. Well, you'll find out that they were bringing to tabernacle uh, gold, and that's what we read right now. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubim of gold, of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And right. make one... Yeah, so and there is more, but uh, I know that my time is short. So they were bringing... Uh, the gold and where they got this gold and where they got other stuff from. So they were bringing it from Egypt. It's like from uh, Eastern country, like this uh, wise man was bringing it, you know, from the uh, East, all this uh, gold, frankincense, frankincense and uh, mirror. And uh, where is the gold is we're reading right now. If you look at this tabernacle on the left side, it's located in which part? Is it in the court roundabout, in the holy place, or in the most holy place? Most holy. So, yes, it's in the most holy place. Now, the next one which wise men brought was frankincense. So the same uh, book of Exodus, chapter 30, verses from 34 to 36. I didn't get it. And, 
And Yahweh Elohim said unto Moses, take unto these sweet spices, stacta <laughs> and uh, antra and galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shall there be a like weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a perfume after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. Right. So they bring in uh, frank, uh, frankincense into, into, into the tabernacle. Now, which part of this uh, Tabernacle, the uh, frankincense uh, is used. Holy place. It's in the holy place. So first in the most holy place, then in the uh, holy place, and then we uh, we just remember we're talking about what wise man uh, brought to uh, baby Yahshua. Uh, it was myrrh, a myrrh. Uh, so it's the same chapter. But it's a little bit earlier, uh, verses from 23 and to 25. Okay, 23. Uh, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half as much, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels. And of cassia, 500 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil, and hin. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil. Right. So this myrrh was the part of the holy anointing oil, which was brought into tabernacle and used in the tabernacle, and which... Uh, compartment in the tabernacle, the myrrh was used. Holy place. I beg you yep. different. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you remember it's a, it's a part of anointing. It's the part of the holy anointing oil. And when oh, okay. we look, when yep, we look at this, uh, no, when we look at this chart, it's that's, you remember it's a, it's a symbol mm -hmm. of resurrection. So it's yes. altar, labor with brazen water, and the cup of holy anointing oil. So it belongs to uh, the court uh, roundabout. Mm -hmm. So we see mm -hmm. that all the gifts are lined up according to this tabernacle pattern, mm -hmm. going from most holy place, gold, to holy place, frankincense, to myrrh, crown, uh, uh, court roundabout. It's showing forth, uh, you know, who really Yahshua was. Uh, please read Colossians. I think it's 2, 9, and 10. Colossians 2, 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and yeah, you actually, are... Yeah, that's... That's what I needed. So in him, in Yasha, dwells the fullness of the Godhead or supernal nature bodily. And Yahshua was just, just born. And the gifts are showing the unity of uh, the Godhead bodily, 
That's the first. And the second, that it's Yahweh coming down from the most holy place through holy place to court round about. Uh, I need to read uh, John 1 and 1 and then uh, skip to verse 14, please. And uh, please show me the Moses part, Greg, if you could. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. I see five All minutes. things were made. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Please. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And please skip to verse 14 because I'm, my time is up. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Right. So we see that uh, on this chart, Yahweh, the Father, is depicted as a cloud around this chart. So this is Yahweh uh, as a pure in a pure spirit form. So he took on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim. It's also called the Word, or it's it's like coming from the most holy place uh, to the holy place, and uh, this Word created everything. And the same word, the same spirit of Yahweh, now it's coming from the holy place to the court roundabout in a physical body as Yahshua the Messiah. And it's already manifested in the very beginning of the uh, Yahshua's physical existence on, on this uh, earth plane with the witnesses of, of the gifts of the wise men which people really don't know what they all mean. But if they did know and they did understand it, they would have understood that Yasha wasn't a God's uh, little boy, but he is the uh, uh, spirit. He is Yahweh, but, uh, you know, in a physical body who Yahweh who came uh, to this physical earth to uh, die uh, for us to be lifted uh, spiritually on the pole so we can look at him and believe what he has done for us. He died for our sins so we can, so that we can live with him in eternity. But people making a mockery of it and don't worship him in spirit and in truth, but worship him in flesh and in lies which all this Christmas season represents. So thank you for your attention and all praise and glory be to Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Rachmilovich. And our third speaker this afternoon will be the Dean of our Green Bay, Wisconsin class, Dr. Andy Verkaterin. Hello, everybody. I want to say that I truly, truly enjoyed um, the testimony of both Chuck Marshall and Sasha McMillan pitch. Um, I thought that was very interesting about uh, Sasha's testimony of 
the way they worshipped um, in Russia versus, you know, the way it's done in the United States and so on and so forth. Well, one of the things we know is that the origins of the holiday of Christmas truly originated from paganism. And it doesn't take a lot of investigation to verify that for yourself. And this school is dedicated to showing proof and evidence. And, you know, it, it, there's two levels. We'll tell you the information, but you still got to go and do the research yourself. So that way, you know, for yourself, what we're saying is true. Now, you can look up origins of Christmas and you're going to see that a lot of things that happen at this time of year are coming out of paganism. It's clearly to see that the scripture reading itself that says, learn not the way of the heathen. So obviously heathens existed way before the Messiah's birth because Jeremiah is written before when Yahshua came in through the loins of Virgin Mother, Virgin Mary. It also talks about in Jeremiah the 10th chapter that the way of the heathen, they go out in the forest and they cut a tree down with an ax. So this is a custom that was going on way before he comes on the scene. And this was something that Yahweh wanted people not to do. And this custom has existed for a long, long time. And it got to the point where it was so prevalent in the world that the churches just basically adopted it into a Christian holiday. But the bottom line is Yahweh never, ever accepted uh, any form of worship other than his true form of worship, which he permitted. He, he, he didn't want us to do that. And, you know, when somebody will say, I don't put silver and gold on my Christmas tree. Well, watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And there's a song that says silver and gold, silver and gold, silver and gold decorations on what? Some Christmas trees? No, every Christmas tree. They understand the principles out there in the world that these Christmas trees or these pagan forms of worship existed way before the time of the Messiah. But now we're trying to get you to see things about Yahshua and what he's doing and, you know, and principles like that. And see, I was always under the understanding before I came to class for my first time that December 25th, you know, going to church at midnight was the time to celebrate the Savior being born into the world is his birth. But it wasn't until I came down to class that I found out he wasn't born on December 25th. Now, let's go to, well, Chuck was working with some principles about, um, well, let's run two lines and then we'll get to Yahshua's actual birthday. The first line we'll run is Chuck already started it. He got Matt, Micah 5 and 2 and it was talking about how the king or the the ruler of Israel is going to come out of Bethlehem. Now, uh, let's go to Genesis 35, 16 through 19. Um, uh, 16, you said? Uh, yeah, I think I want to start at 16. Might have to pick it up just a little bit because it's talking about the birth of Benjamin. Mm. I'll tell you in a second. Um, let's start at 16. 
18, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephraim, and Rachel traveled, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have the son also. So here's Rachel going to give birth to a son. And um, Rachel is married to Jacob. Now, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And one of Jacob's sons' name was Benjamin. But here's, we're talking about the birth of Benjamin. Keep reading. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benaiah, but his father called him Benjamin. Now, if and you look up Benjamin, mm -hmm. uh, Benjamin means son of the right hand, which is a type of Yahshua, and this happened in Bethlehem. Um, and we also got it already in Micah 5 and 2, that the king, the savior of Israel, is going to come out of Bethlehem. Now, so when Yahshua was born in Matthew 2 and 1, Let's get Matthew 2 and 1. See, we're getting out of the book because what we want you to know is everything we teach, we can take it right out of the book. And, you know, the founder used to say, if it's not in the book, you might get took. So I could sit there and tell you about, you know, we're going to, let's get the scripture. Where what? The, Matthew, uh, now when Yahshua was born. Go ahead. Oh, now when Yahshua was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, mm -hmm. And that's enough there. We're just getting in the fulfillment how Yahshua was born in Bethlehem. Because we know that everything that happens to Yahshua is in fulfillment of something that was written about in the law and something that was written about in the prophets. So Yahshua comes in, born in Bethlehem. You know, and just like it was in the law, the son of the right hand was born in Bethlehem, and then also in the prophets, it talks about the Savior of the world coming out of uh, Bethlehem. Now, um, let's get um, Matthew 1 and 23, because here's where uh, uh, Yahshua talks about Yahshua being born of a virgin. Mm -hmm. Behold, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is Yahweh with us. Mm -hmm. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of Yahweh had bidden him, and took unto him a wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Yahshua. See, now this is where Yahshua is being born, and he's being born of a virgin. Now, the question is, why does Yahshua have to be born of a virgin? Uh, let's get uh, uh, Genesis. Well, first of all, before we get Genesis, let's get Genesis 2 and 7. And then I want Romans 5, 14 first. Because first, we're going to be talking about Adam here. Now, why are we talking about Adam? Let's get Romans 5, 14 first. Okay. Romans 5, 14. You might have to pick it up at 12 because I think 14 doesn't really verify what we're talking about you might have to pick it up at verse 12 
so we can get the gist of who we're talking about when we get to verse 14. Go ahead. Well, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And okay, so sin... here it's clear you see it's talking about Adam in the garden. He ate of the fruit in the tree that he was told not to eat of. You know, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but one in the midst of the garden. Don't touch it and don't eat it. Now, we know that Adam did eat it and did die and was driven out of the garden. Now, he didn't die physically for 900 and some years later, but where he died was on the inside, in his conscience or his soul. And we know that death reigned. Uh, keep reading. Sin entered the world and death by sin, so death mm -hmm. passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Right. For unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And when, when, when the founder used to talk about Moses, he would refer to it in one case as he's referring to the Mosaic dispensation, which is the fourth dispensation just before, uh, well, Yahshua, when he comes on the scene, he's still in the fourth dispensation until that age comes to an end at Pentecost. But death reigned from Adam to Moses because Yahshua was the one that overcame death, hell, and the grave. But anyone, keep reading. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come? Now, Adam's a figure of him to come. What do we mean by Adam being a figure of him to come? Now, let's, now we'll go to Genesis 2 and 7, because this is where Adam is formed. Okay. And Yahweh Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground, or earth, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. So who was Adam's mother? We know that Adam's father is Yahweh, just like Yahshua's father is Yahweh. And he's born of Mother Earth, because you could get into scriptures uh, where the earth is referred to as a female. In one place uh, where it swallowed up all those men at the time of Moses, it says the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. So the earth is refigurative of a female, or Mother Earth is giving forth a son, and Earth has never had a son before that, so Mother Earth conceived of the father Yahweh and had a son, Adam, or a virgin conceived and brought forth a son. So Adam's a figure of Yahshua. And when Adam was brought into the world, the animals were here first. So when Yahshua was born, he's born in a manger and there's animals around. Now, also when Adam was placed in the garden, the garden was in fruition. It wasn't in this, it wasn't in the winter time. It was a, a time where it was the fruit was on the trees. So it, it wasn't like Yahshua could have been born at the time where snow's on the ground and trees are dormant and you know things are not being harvested. It doesn't fit in principle or in harmony what's written in that law. So now we got that Adam is born a virgin mother of earth. Let's get um, uh, let's get another example. Let's get uh, uh, Genesis eight and eighteen because this is talking about Noah and the flood. Genesis eight eighteen. Yep, that'll work. Uh, and Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and 
whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark. So this is talking about Noah and the ark. So when you know you look at an ark, an ark is 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 a is a is a, is a big ship. And you refer to ships as in a certain gender. She was a good ship. You know, ships are referred to as 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 a female. You know, ships, their first voyage is called a maiden voyage. Now, what's a maiden? A maiden is a virgin. So here you have the ark on its maiden voyage. She brings forth a son, and the first one out of the out of the ark was who? Noah. Why did Noah have to come? He didn't say, honey, you go check it out for me. No, he got out first because a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Then others followed after him. So it's a principle of uh, a, a, a virgin conceiving and bring forth a son there. Now we can also get it. And this is one that a lot of Christians will get in Isaiah uh, 7 and 14. Uh, but they never get any examples in the law. And we're trying to show you that Yash was witnessed by the law and the prophets. Not just, you know, I can see obviously this is talking about Yashua here. No, the principles are all through the Bible. Uh, let's get Isaiah uh, 7 and 14. Okay. Therefore, Yahweh uh, himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. And that's why what happened in Matthew 1, 23, at first it referred to him as Emmanuel, which means Elohim with us. And then later uh, called it Yahshua because his name is Yahshua. Uh, Emmanuel would be just kind of a title in fulfillment of, of Elohim with us back there in Isaiah. Uh, a virgin shall conceive and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Now, so we can obviously see that Yahshua is fulfilling being born of a virgin, and Yahshua is fulfilling coming out of Benja, uh, out of Benja, of Bethlehem. Um, now, the other thing is he has to come forth from a woman. Um, uh, let's get Galatians. Um, uh, no, we can do it a couple different ways. Let me go to uh, uh, Luke. We're going to go to Luke, the first chapter here that'll pick it up as well because there's other places we can go and get the information but i'm just trying to think uh what would be the best way to do it uh with time so the loaf the first chapter and we'll start at 13 because what's happening here in verse 12 is zacharias um and elizabeth are going to have a kid and their child is going to be john the baptist so that's what's happening in in Luke, the first chapter, around 12 and 13. We're going to read verse 13 because I want to read what's happening with Zacharias and Elizabeth here with John the Baptist before we jump into the timing of what's going on here. Let's go to, uh, let's go with um, uh, verse 13, Luke 1, 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Mm -hmm. So here we have Elizabeth is going to bear a son. The angel's telling him that, fear not. Now, um, <clears throat> so we have this information. Now we'll drop down um, to verse 24. 24. 
And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying... So now Elizabeth is conceived already. Now she hid herself for five months already. Read. Thus hath Yahweh dwelt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in mm -hmm. the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from Elohim unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse, to a man whose name was Joseph. Now here we're picking up Joseph and Mary. It was in the sixth month that this happened. Now, the interesting thing about it is, is when we look at our current calendar, and it was interesting, even Sasha said that December 31st, they had this celebration because the, we're under a calendar called the Gregorian calendar, which has a year starting or the first month being in January. Now, uh, and that's from Pope Gregory. Now, that is not the calendar they were operating under at the time that this Bible uh, was written. Uh, the first month of the year at that time, because we, we're going to have to get it. Let's get um, um, Exodus, the 12th chapter. I think it's the 12th chapter. Mm -hmm. Yep. 12 and 1. Because we have to, first of all, set up or establish what the first month of the year is so we can count the months that these things are happening with these angel visits to both Elizabeth and uh, uh, to Mary. But go ahead and get what I called for. And Yahweh Elohim spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Mm -hmm. So Speaking now when you look in a Bible under this, you're going to find that this month was referred to as Abib or Nisan. Nisan is when the Babylonians, uh, uh, they went into captivity, the Abib was, the Nisan is Babylonian. So uh, the first month of the year, though, is Abib, which correlates to April. So the first month of the year is April. That's all I wanted to establish uh, with the calendar. It's not January uh, Pope Gregory was wrong, obviously. Uh, and uh, so the first month of the year is April. So now we're going to go back and read where we left off on verse 26. Read verse 26 in Luke again, Luke 1, 26. Mm -hmm. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from Elohim unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the virgin's name was Mary. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, or the sixth month, uh, so if you look at John the Baptist, uh, is already six months pregnant. And we know pregnancies last for nine months. So the sixth month of the year would be April's the first month, uh, May is the second month, June is the third month, July is the fourth month, August is the fifth month, September is the sixth month. So in the sixth month, it's September that this angel is appearing to Joseph and Mary. 
Now, if you count three more months from September, October, November, December, so December is nine months from John's, for John's birth. So in other words, when Elizabeth conceived, six months when the angel came, three months after that would be December. So John the Baptist is actually the one that's born in December, which makes total sense because John the Baptist was burying people or putting them in water. And, you know, uh, winter uh, is the time of burial. So it would be in harmony to what the season is dictating. But now Yahshua is being conceived in the sixth month. So the sixth month is September. So Yahshua's conception would have been in September. Now keep reading where you are in 26. Read it again. Yep. In 26. And in the sixth yep. month, the angel Gabriel was sent from Elohim unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Mm -hmm. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, Yahweh is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And mm -hmm. when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Mm -hmm. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with Elohim. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Yahshua. So in the sixth month, she conceived. In the sixth month, like I said, the sixth month, counting from April, May, June, July, is puts this conception of Yahshua or conception for Mary in September. Now, if you count, from September, the conception, nine months later, you have October would be one month, November would be two months, December would be three months, January would be four months, February would be five months, March would be six months, April would be seven months, May would be eight months, June would be the ninth month. So Yahshua would have been born in June. John the Baptist would have been born in December. According to the month calculation, going by ABIB or the calendar that they would have used at this time, would have put Yahshua's birth at, in June, which would have been in agreement when Adam was made and put in the garden. Because in the month of June, don't you have fruition? Or don't you have things? Uh, this is a season of resurrection. This is in Yahshua's, the resurrection of life. So he would be born uh, in harmony with uh, the creation. Now, if we go further into this, um, now the story of Moses, where did that, uh, it's not the story of Moses, the story of Adam, where did that come from? Now we have the Moses chart here. When the children of Israel were led out of the land of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai. And it was um, a specific time that they came to this mountain. Let's get Exodus uh, 19 and 1. Say it again. I couldn't hear you. Exodus 19 and 1. Thank you. 
In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Okay, that's good enough there. So Moses and Israel came to the mountain in the third month, the same day. So the third month, we already have April is the first month, right? So May would be the second month. June is the third month. So they came to Mount Sinai in June. And it was the same day. So it's third month, same day would be June the 3rd. So it was June the 3rd that they came to Mount Sinai. Now, they were told to be ready against the third day. So they were given time to clean up. And then Yahweh was going to speak that covenant from Mount Sinai uh, on June 6th. So the covenant, the old covenant was established with Israel on June 6th. But also... Now, something else happens in June. Now, uh, Moses is told to go up on top of Mount Sinai, and he's told to go up there alone and by himself, and you have Aaron Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders were invited to a plateau area. So uh, let's get that one up, Moses, Exodus 24, mm -hmm. and maybe 16, I'm thinking. Then what up, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu? Is it 16 or verse 10? Somewhere around there. Um, that's 24, 13. 24, 13? Correct. And Moses rose up and his servant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of Yahweh. And he said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. Okay. So now we know that this is this is in June because it was June 6th that they agreed to the covenant. And then Moses went up on top of Mount Sinai in the month of June shortly after this. Uh, and the 70 elders and Aaron, Nadab, and Amiah are, are told to wait in this plateau area. So Moses went up on top of Mount Sinai in the month of June. Now, he was up there, if you read the last verse, he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. So what was he doing up there? And we were always taught that the first thing Moses saw was the days of creation. And, you know, he was up there for 40 days. And the days of creation, when you read Genesis, uh, read Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1. One, one. Mm -hmm. in, in the beginning... Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, and that's good enough there. In the beginning of what? See, Christianity believes this is the beginning of beginnings. But really, what we're reading here in Genesis 1 and 1, this is the beginning of Moses's vision or right. experience that he had when he went up on the mountain the first seven days he was shown the seven days of creation and the next 33 days after that which would make 33 and 7 to be the total of the 40 days the next 33 days he was learning about this tabernacle pattern that you read about in exodus the 25th chapter exodus the 26th chapter 27th chapter 28th chapter and so on about this tabernacle but the first seven days it was about the genesis now, man came in on what day? The sixth day. So in the month of June, man was made on the sixth day. 
He was formed from the dust. Let's get that in Genesis, the sixth day. Maybe people haven't seen it. We'll get it. Take the time. That's 126, I believe. We can go with that. We already got that Adam is the son of the Most High Yahweh. We also know that Adam was born a virgin mother earth. And Adam was shown to Moses on top of Mount Sinai in the month of June. He's having this idea, this conception of this. Well, he's having a conception of a tabernacle, which comes in nine months later. But that's another whole train of thought. But anyway, He's up on top of this mountain. And on the sixth day, what happens? Read what happens to Adam. And, Adam was a figure. And Yahweh Elohim said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So Elohim created man in his own image, and the image of Elohim created he him, male and female created he them. So man was created on the sixth day. So you have Adam, the figure of Yahweh, was created on the sixth day, according to Moses' vision he had on top of Mount Sinai in the month of June. So you have Adam coming in on the sixth day in the month of June. Yahshua is born uh, in fulfillment of the old covenant being brought in in June 6. So Yahshua would be a fulfillment of the one who's coming in, uh, fulfilling. Uh, let's get Galatians 4 and 4. Everything Yahshua does has to be in fulfillment of something back there in the Law and Prophets. So his birth is not an accident. It's He's coming in fulfilling. Uh, uh, things that are already set up back in that Old Testament. Go ahead and read Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time was come, Yahweh sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Mm -hmm. So his whole point was during the fullness of time, he was going to come in made of a woman, made under the law. Now we know a woman, a man doesn't give birth to babies. A woman does. Yahshua has to come out from a virgin. He has to come out of a woman. And that woman, Mary, is of also, now Joseph was the tribe of Judah, but Mary also was from the tribe of Judah because uh, you couldn't intermarry in the tribe. So Joseph would have taken a wife from also the tribe of Judah. As a matter of fact, the angel told him to do that. So out of that tribe of Judah, coming forth from a woman, coming forth from a virgin, he's also coming in fulfilling the date because he's redeeming them that committed under the law that was committed to Israel and Yahweh on June 6th. So Yahshua is going to come in on June 6th. The same thing. And you have it with Adam. You have it here with the covenant. Yahshua is fulfilling these principles. He's not born December 25th. It just ain't right. Now, the other problem with this idea of Yahshua, they, they got this idea that Jesus' little baby was born 2,000 years ago. And, and the thing is, what they don't, they don't understand who Yahshua really is. 
Yahshua existed before. I do see the speaker, the 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 the, the five minutes. Uh, he would, existed before that. So, in other words, truly, when you're talking about when was Yahshua really born, um, let's get uh, Revelation one and eight. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, let's get John one and one, and then one and fourteen. John 1 and 1. Mm -hmm. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. <clears throat> the same was in the beginning with Yahweh. Okay. We get this one all the time, trying to show you know, this visionary shape and form known as the Word or Yahweh Elohim was with Yahweh and was Yahweh. We we work with this all the time. Now when we drop down to uh, John 1, 14, what does it say? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So in other words, in the beginning was the word. The word was with Yahweh. The word was Yahweh. Now this word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, doesn't it sound like Yahshua existed before he was made flesh? He existed as the word that was with Yahweh and was Yahweh. He, it's not like this. they have... Jesus is being the second person of the Blessed Trinity. They have it separated from Yahweh. Yahshua was Yahweh in a body. That was your creator in that body, in that manifestation as a Savior, in that manifestation as a Son. If you understood the name Yahshua, it means that Yahweh is salvation. That's what his name means. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word is with Yahweh. This Word was Yahweh. And this Yahweh that was the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That was Yahweh in a body as Yahshua, fulfilling what the Word showed Moses on top of Mount Sinai, fulfilling what the Word showed Isaiah in the prophets, fulfilling what the Word showed Moses about when a virgin shall conceive in the law and a virgin shall conceive in the prophets, fulfilling that he has to come from Bethlehem in the law and in the prophets, fulfilling the timing that he has to come in, the reason he has to come in. All this stuff has been set up before Yahshua comes in to the loins of the Virgin Mary. He, it's not like this is, but they have him as a second person, as a different person, and that's just not right. They have a misunderstanding of who Yahshua really is. That is your creator in a body. Now, now let's get Revelation 1 and 8. I am the Alpha and Omega. Yahshua says here in Revelation, I am Alpha and Omega. Read. The beginning and the ending. I'm the beginning and the ending. Read. Saith, saith Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's the Almighty. So what birthday are you going to put on that Alpha? What birthday are you going to put on that? He's the, you know, the beginning. It, there's no birth date there. It's, it's just this, we're talking about the existence of your creator. Now, uh, Yahshua also got in trouble for saying things like this. Let's go to John 8, 56 through 58. And eight fifty six. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, 
thou art not yet 50 years old. And here's Joshua. Do you know Abraham? You're only, you're not even 50 years old because Abraham was 1500, uh, even more than that, uh, before Joshua. So, how, mm -hmm. how do you know Abraham? But watch what Joshua says. Read. Yashua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Read. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Yashua hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. They wanted to stone Yashua because he said he was before Abraham. Now here's my point. Well, we've been taught about Jesus, him being born December 25th, all the things they say, they, they, they don't even get his name right. They don't get his birthday right. He wasn't born at midnight. He's, he's the light of the day. He's not darkness. And he's definitely not born in the winter. If you want to talk about somebody being born in the winter, well, you got John the Baptist, which would be right in harmony. But Yahshua truly was born in June. He was born on June 6th. According to your Bible, I mean, you don't read anything in the, in the scriptures where the disciples say, you know, we have to get ready to celebrate Yahshua's birthday or let's, uh, you know, you don't, there's, there's only a few chapters that talk about the Christmas story, but they made it into a big Hollywood money making fest. But, the, you know, and, and, and in Green Bay in closing, they have this uh, tree that everyone's upset with at the railroad museum. And, um, there's, I don't know how many trees there. There's all kinds of these Christmas trees up all over the place. And there's one tree put up by the satanic temple. Uh, and everyone's in an uproar because they have this satanic temple tree sitting there. And they're picketing and protesting that they want this tree removed because this tree has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. Well, here's my point. None of those trees have anything to do with the birth of Yahshua. They're all coming out of paganism. Every one of them. We don't teach that we want you to know the truth. We want to know what Yahshua came in to fulfill all those things. And we just want you to know the truth, folks. That's all. And I'm out of time. I hope somebody got something out of it. We just try to break these things down the best we can. Peace and love in Yahshua. And thank you for the time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Verkaterin. We'd like to thank everybody who joined us today on our Zoom class. We'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. At this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah.